Why don't you stand with me today, and in the spirit of that, why don't you greet one another in the name of Jesus today? Well, does anyone else, is that anyone else's favorite Christmas carol? Anyone else? My wife, oh, of course, my wife, that's points. Pastor Serena, yep, I see May in the back. I love that, I love that song. And you really do need to, to look at the history of that song. And when he says that God is dead, it just seemed that way. And sometimes it seems that way in our world, doesn't it? We know differently. And that's the story of the life, the birth, the life, the death of Jesus Christ. We start today with a question. And the question, especially in a world that when we look out at it, it doesn't always seem like God is on the scene. The question is this. Am I leaving room in my life to trust in God? It's been a challenging question for me as I've been pondering that. But, but here he is again, the main character of Advent, that one guy, John the Baptist. And as I stated last week, every year John shows up in his camel hair clothes and eating wild honey and locusts and and preaching in the wilderness he shows up every second and third sunday of advent and if you remember when he stepped onto the advent stage last week he announced with powerful confidence and conviction after me comes one who is more powerful than i if john the baptist was certain about anything. He was certain about Jesus. Who he was, how he was the one coming to set things straight. John was never more certain of anything in his life. But then, John the Baptist found himself in a different kind of wilderness. John the Baptist, because of his calling out the placeholder King Herod for his infidelity, found himself thrown into the wilderness of a prison. No more freedom. No more crowds flocking. It doesn't seem like there's any more talk of Messiah coming with power and fire. And there, right there, John asks Your question, my question, our question that sometimes we ask. Sometimes people ask this question. I mean, it's really his question, but I think it really is ours sometimes as well. This is the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 11. Jesus went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we look for someone else? Let's pray together. Lord, we pray today that you will help us hear your word to our hearts. And Lord God, we pray that we find new ways to trust you, even when you're the God we don't expect. In Jesus' name, amen. 
There it is. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? John is sitting in prison wondering why he is sitting in prison. And he asks his question, because if Jesus is the Messiah, then why is he not cleaning house and dominating enemies and coming and doing what Messiah is supposed to do, or at least what people of that time thought Messiah should do? Why is he not bringing the judgment that John preached about? And hello, the last place John the Baptist is supposed to be is in prison. I think the words from Mark yours kind of give us the perspective we need. It is easy to believe in God in the bright sunlight when all is joyful and free, but let the iron doors of difficulty slam shut and doubt is there in the darkness. Man, so John, we understand. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? That's his question, but that is also a question in our world, in our day, and maybe even in our hearts, each one of us. It's a question that I think we're afraid to ask out loud. Maybe we're afraid of what people might think of us if we ask such a question. But it is our question. Jesus, are you really the Savior? Jesus, is Christianity just a tale we tell ourselves to get through life, or is it real? Jesus, does faith really matter? I mean, does it really matter in my situation, in my hardships, in my life? Does it really matter? Now, it's encouraging to me that the guy with conviction that's so rock-solid, like none other, was rocked. John the Baptist is rocked. And he asks the question, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? See, John the Baptist faced the three Ds. One, he had doubts. Secondly, he was discouraged with Jesus. At least this kind of Jesus that he thought. And then lastly, he was disappointed that God was not showing up, Messiah was not showing up with groundbreaking power and earth-shattering majesty to bring judgment and assert his kingdom. He was wondering where the conquering king was because that was the image of Messiah. He's wondering where is that Messiah, where is that king? But we need to ask ourselves, what was the source of his doubts his discouragement, and his disappointment. Well, I think it's this. Jesus is not the king he expected or anyone else expected. Jesus is not doing what John thinks he should be doing. So John does what we all would do and we probably sometimes do. He says, is there someone else out there? Maybe you remember the story of the man who was hiking. And he was hiking along the side of a mountain and he slipped on a trail and he began to slide down the steep 
uh, incline and he was just grasping and flailing and finally he got hold of a, of a little tree that was hanging out and he grabbed hold of it and, and it suspended him right before he went over a cliff. And he had his hands around that, that branch and couldn't see below him and he, and he cried out, help me, help me, is there, is there anyone out there? And then he heard this faint voice say, yes, yes, I see you, I'm here. The ground is just below you. All you have to do is let go and you'll be safe. The man looked around, couldn't see below him, and then he said, is there anyone else out there? Right? That's the place where we find ourselves. Is there someone else? Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? That's John's question, and that's our question. Last month, Pastor Jim Ennis said this during our Soul Care Weekend. The opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. No one was more certain. No one was more certain about anything, especially about Jesus, than John the Baptist. No one was more certain, that is, until he wasn't. But that was because Jesus was not the Jesus he expected him to be. We just, we just sang these words, that we want him, because all I want is all you are. Here's the question. Do we really want who he is? You see, that's John the Baptist, and that can be us. If only God would act the way I expect him to. Come on, God. Wouldn't my life be so much better if God did what I wanted? Right? At least I think so. Now, we likely would never say that out loud, but the truth is, we want to be certain about God. If only God would act the way we expect him. And in some ways, I think we want a God we can control. A God that works according to how we think he should work. We would never say that. But we want a God who works the way we think he should work in life. A God who makes our life easier and takes care of the bad guys and the bad things in life the way we want. A God who affirms our political positions or affirms our lifestyle or, or the view of the world we have. A God who makes the world spin in such a way that it works out the best for me. And we are like John the Baptist at that point. But here's the thing. God will be God as he is, not as we expect him to be. Remember, this is a life of faith. God will be God as he is. He is God. And in that, there's mystery that you and I just can't get hold of. And I don't know about you, but I find some comfort in that. The words of Isaiah remind me, my thoughts are not, nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. 
And God says in Isaiah 46, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. So God is going to be God as he is. And see, see, John the Baptist was fluent in those truths. And he struggled. And so maybe sometimes we need to give ourselves permission to struggle too. And you know, I read something just last night that those kind of questions are some of the most Christian questions you could ask. That we should not be afraid to ask those questions. Because we have a God who's dependable, trustworthy, and true. But we do. We, we look for God to give us what we want. We expect God to answer prayer in our specific way. We wonder why God is not working in our difficulties as we hope. We imagine God taking our side. But then we discover that Jesus is not the king we expect him to be. And we should have gotten some clues from the Gospels because this is the way it's always been. And just listen to these words. These are the words of Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's upside down. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. What about this one? Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. See, that's all upside down. That's not what we expect at all. And what about this? What about this? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign. This will be the sign that the Messiah is coming. You will find a baby. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Not you will find a general of a great army. You will find the most influential politician of the day. You will find someone who has power and dignity and majesty and royalty. No, you will find a baby who's swaddled tightly. And later on, of course, we know who was born in the feed trough of a cow. He's not the Messiah we expected. Sometimes I think that story becomes so common to us it becomes almost antiseptic and we forget how crazy this is how how radical this is that this god showed up in such an unexpected way and he still does no one saw that coming john didn't but this is our god he's the king we do not expect him to be and his kingdom while his kingdom is not about accruing power and exercising authority, is not about seizing control of as much ground as possible. If we want to understand this kingdom, we just have to listen to the non-answer that Jesus answered John with. John asked him the question, and Jesus basically gives him a non-answer. I mean, he could, have said to, he could have said to John, his disciples, hey, just tell John, yes, I'm the Messiah. Hang tight, John, I'm the Messiah. But he doesn't. He says, look, John, what do you see? Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. 
I think that's Jesus' answer to my questions as well. I think he's saying, take the time to look and see. Look closely. I want you to think about something. Jesus healed some, but not all. Jesus cured some, but not all. Some were given their life back, but not all. You see, I think the challenge for John and for us is not to get so focused on what Jesus has not done, but to look deeply into what Jesus has done. And this is the path of faith and trust in God as our Savior. So this Advent... I am like really preoccupied with our Christmas tree. It's really not our Christmas tree. It's our, our God story tree, right? I am super preoccupied. Now, originally I was going to bring one of the um, Christmas balls that I've already written on it, but I thought, if I drop that and break that, I'm, someone's going to really not be happy with me, right? But there's some of them up there. Just look at some of those things and what they say. Reading some of the, um, I'm calling them descriptive declarations of who Jesus has been to people in our congregation, I try to imagine what was behind the answer. I've been trying to, every time I've gone and stared at it, what is behind the answers people are giving to the question, who has Jesus been to you this year? I mean, look, some have declared that he's my hope. I love the one in the left-hand corner, if you can't make it out. He's my BFF right? I think that means best friend forever. Does that mean that, right? What about over here? Top right? He's my savior from abuse. Look at this. This year, Jesus has been my counselor. And right in the middle, he's my everything. This tree my guess is some of these declarations were made even those those even though those things may not have been that obvious at the time. My guess is some of these descriptions were born in hardship and suffering and disappointment. I hope you I hope if you haven't put a ball up there yet you we need more up there that you'd write on one of these balls and you would hang it right there on that tree, so that others can look around. And I'll explain why that's important. But maybe what the lesson is, even for John, for us, maybe even in that hardship and that suffering, that disappointment, especially there, we need to look more deeply at what God is doing. No, Jesus was not the Messiah, John thought he should be, and perhaps Jesus is not the Savior you expected him to be, and maybe your life has not turned out the way you had hoped. But Jesus is the Jesus he's always been. Maybe it requires remembering how God has given you strength and comfort when you least expected. Maybe you need to remember the one thing we could 
never have expected. That he forgives us. That this God takes on our sin and he gives us a way of forgiveness. You see, most of us, most of the world walks through life with, with regret and, 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 and unsettled issues. And, but we can go to Jesus and find forgiveness. Or, or may, maybe it means not just looking at yourself and thinking about strength and comfort and forgiveness, but maybe it means looking at others rather than being so fixed on myself. I mean, isn't that part of the message to John? I I think Jesus is saying, John, stop looking at your circumstances and look at what I'm doing in the lives of others. And I think that's maybe why the Christmas tree is so important. It invites me to see what God is doing in others, helping me imagine what God can do in my life. And that is hope, imagining what God can do in my life. So maybe John and maybe me and maybe us, maybe all of us need to get our eyes off ourselves and our circumstances to see the larger picture because when we get so wrapped up in our stuff, we miss the larger picture. And when I see the larger picture, what do I see? The blind see, the lame walk, leprosy is cured, deaf hear, raised to life. What do I see? I see God breaking through. Jesus is saying to John, look, I'm breaking through. I think that's what Longfellow saw when he wrote that Christmas carol. When he heard the bells, because all around him, all around him, it was like a scratched record for those of us who remember scratched records. Because the song says that Christendom was rolling all along, peace on earth, all is good. And then the Civil War happened. And he said, there's no more peace on earth. God's dead. But then he heard the bells. Out of personal tragedy, suffering, grief, death, darkness, contemplating suicide, did you know that? And he heard the bells. And God broke through. I think that's what he saw. And maybe my life and his church could become known by those kind of things. What if when the world asks, is Jesus the real deal, we are able to point to our lives and how we've modeled this grace and forgiveness and healing. And maybe we would become a church that the world did not expect Because God was not what we expected. Albert Hung wrote in our devotional this week, God has appointed us to be a picture and a preview of the coming kingdom. We are to light a path to Jesus and provide a glimpse of heaven through acts of love. But there's one more word. It's the word that Jesus added just for John and maybe for us. It says this, And Jesus added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. There's always a danger in having expectations that cannot be met when they are based solely on what we want. The danger is we become disappointed, we become bitter, we walk away from a relationship due to unmet expectations. And this is the the danger point of relationship with Jesus as well. When Jesus doesn't act or do what we think he should do, 
We've got to guard our hearts. See, Jesus wants John and any who hear him to know he may not meet their expectations. And yet, he says, trust me anyway for who I am. So here's the question. What will you do when God does not meet your expectations? Maybe a better question. Am I leaving room in my life to trust God when he doesn't meet my expectations? The Jesuit philosopher and professor of ethics, John Cavanaugh, as he was trying to figure out what to do with his life, went for three months to the house of the dying in Calcutta, where Mother Teresa was. He was trying to figure out what to do with the rest of his life, and the first morning there, he met Mother Teresa, and he asked her a, she asked him a question. What can I do for you? And Kavanaugh said, you could pray for me. And Mother Teresa said, what do you want me to pray for? And then he voiced his pressing burden to her. He said, pray that I have clarity. And Mother Teresa said, absolutely not. And this bewildered Kavanaugh. He was confused by this. And he asked her why, and she said this, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of. I really don't like that. But let me go on. When Kavanaugh commented that she always seemed to have the clarity he longed for, she laughed. And Mother Teresa said, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. Jeff, are you leaving room in your life to trust in God? See, this passage calls me to leave room for trusting God with what I do not understand and with what I do not see. Trust that he has arrived. Trust that he is at work. And it may not look the way I thought it should but is actually more than I could ever imagine. Because this is what it is. Emmanuel. Which means God is with us. And really, really, no one ever expected that. Advent reminds us Jesus came in the world of darkness. He entered right into it, and he came with a secret that John had not yet realized. The secret was that the king would take the place of those who should have been judged, that the king would take the place of those who stood under the shadow of death. So at this table this morning, we encountered the king the world did not expect. A dying Messiah is not what the world wanted but it is what the world needed. For in his death we find his life given to us and we find the life in ourselves we never expected. By faith in Christ, with full confidence in his grace and mercy, we trust our Savior and King. And what do we receive? Help to make us see. Grace to enable us to walk with him. The cure of sin's leprosy of our souls. Our ears open to his word. Our dead lives raised to life and good news to our poor and broken world, even us. We receive more than we could have ever expected from the God, the God 
who is often not what we expect. I'm going to ask our pastors if they would come and our worship team as we prepare for communion to just stand with me this morning and receive this benediction. And now may the God who we least expect pour out grace we never anticipated. Fill us with hope and joy that we long for. May God give us Jesus. And that is enough. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Greet one another in Jesus' name. Remember, next 10 days, prepare for Christmas. Get ready for God's coming.